Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. All right, we are in the middle of a series. We're actually coming on the home stretch or rounding third, if you will. If we're going to go with our sports analogies, we're in the red zone uh, to continue with football. We're just all the different things. We're almost done. Uh, Hall of Fame is going to be the longest series I've ever done, which is saying something because it's going to beat James by one week. All right. So um, we're in the middle of this series. We're coming down to the end of it. And don't feel like, well, I don't know what's going on. Don't worry about it. We pick a different person in the Bible each week and kind of study what their legacy is. What kind of legacy are we going to leave? And the beauty about the Old Testament is there's all kinds of men and women that leave legacies. And these men and women are just as messed up as you and I are. They got their cheats, their liars, they steal, they got marital problems. None of them can parent a kid to save their life. They're just like me and you, but they, except they leave a legacy for thousands and thousands of years about how God has interacted in their life. And so uh, this morning, we're going to talk about a guy named Noah. Noah, so if you have a Bible with you or you need a Bible, there's Bibles in the seats in front of you. Turn with me to chapter uh, Genesis chapter 6. We're going to be covering and hopping through Genesis chapter 6 through 9. Uh, if you want to use your phone for this, it's perfectly acceptable. We also have a Shorewood Church of God app that's available on Google Play and the App Store. Um, totally free. It's a, just a great way to stay connected with the church. You can listen to old messages or watch them now. Um, if you want to see me uh, more, uh, you could do that. Or you can just listen. It's probably the preferable method. Uh, and we have that going on for you as well uh, there. Now, we're going to be uh, jumping around uh, Noah. Now, Noah might be an interesting choice for block party Sunday. Because nothing says party like the destruction of the world. <laughs> Yay, Jared. Good choice. Everything drowns. I think Noah has something to speak into our hearts no matter where we find ourselves. Uh, because if you've ever found yourself asking the question, why me, God? Why is this happening? God, it feels like you are raining on my parade. Not anybody else's parade. Just mine. Right on me. Why are you picking on me, God? If you've ever felt that way, I think Noah's story and the story of the flood can actually speak into your life. Um, because the ending of Noah is one of the most beautiful things that has ever been written down. Noah is one of the, if you read it, like we, we study it in Sunday school. Uh, we don't hear because we don't even have Sunday school. But if you grew up in the church, it was a flannel graph, right? You got a little, little flannel board and you had an archie arky and you got to sing a song and you had little animals. How many of you did not know that there was seven by seven of the clean animals and, and you thought it was only two by two. I was in college studying Bible when the professor made us read this and said, you guys see how many animals there are? Two by two. Now it's seven by seven. <gasps> Heresy. <laughs> the song said, what the song say? What's the Bible say? Oh, it's a quick lesson, day one of Bible class on how you need to read the Bible. Uh, so anyway, that's for free. 
Uh, but we're looking at the flannel graph, and you, and you talk about the, the birds and, and, the, and the animals, and you're like, well, the, the lions are chilling by the hippos, and that couldn't have end, ended well. And you're, you're wondering, like, how this all worked and the smell. Like, that's where the third grade Jared's brain went to. All I cared about was the smell and what they do with the doo-doo. That was all I cared about the Noah story. I didn't care about that every other person in, in the world was getting killed, and I didn't care about the end. And so uh, maybe you've gotten there as well. Uh, contrary to the, the movie with Russell Crowe, there weren't any rock people. I don't know where that came from. If you watch it, there's like these weird characters in, in the movie. That, that doesn't really exist either. But anyway, uh, Genesis chapter 6 through 9. What happens is, if you've never heard the story, never read the story, never been acquainted with the story, I will put that out there for you. Humanity has found itself in a place where it is evil. Like bad, like nasty. We're still in the, the, the starting point of humanity, but it's just, the Bible says that, that humanity, or the evil had kind of gripped humanity's heart, that everywhere God looked on earth, it was just, ugh, ugh, ugh. and it got so bad that it grieved God's heart, and he says, I got to stop this. And so, God chooses to hit the Control-Alt-Delete button on earth. It's, you know, got the blue screen of death, and let's, uh, let's start all over again. And that's what's basically going on. Now, he finds this one man who has the integrity and the ethic and is a good man. It's one of the classic lines of the Bible that I always want to uh, kind of live up to. It's a, but Noah. What does it take to be a, a but Alexa person? A but Jason like, everyone was a jerk, but buddy. Everyone gossiped, but Paul. Like, what, what does that take? And so we find ourselves in this place where God's going, I, I'm sorry that I made these people, but Noah. So he chooses Noah. Noah tell, it tells Noah to build a boat, which we don't have really a record of it raining or boats before this moment. So that must have been a fun conversation with God. Like, what am I building? A, a boat. I know you know all things and all, all, all stuff, but I, a boat? Yeah, I don't have power tools. I don't actually know what power tools are, but I'm pretty sure I would like one for to build this, this boat. Right? So you have this whole conversation going on, and then, then the rains come. Everyone's making fun of Noah for building a, a, a boat. He gets the animals on. There's all kinds of, of storms. Uh, everything floods. Then the waters recede, and Noah starts over again. When the, uh, the <laughs> simplifies in three chapters really quickly here, okay? Um, when the end happens, this beautiful thing happens, a rainbow comes out, and God makes a promise upon the rainbow. Now, that's the good story, okay? That's the good part, and we're going to talk about that. So stay with me to the end, because it's really all about the rainbow, okay? The whole thing is about the rainbow, and so we're going to go far away from the rainbow, and then we're going to come back to it. So just remember, when's he going to get to the rainbow? When's he going to get to the rainbow? Just If you keep that in your head, you're going to, you're going to be good. Because remember, we're asking ourselves this question. We're coming back to this moment of this feeling of, God, why are you picking on me? Why are you choosing me to, to put your thumb on and beat down? Why are you hurting me? Because that's, that's what we need to deal with here. Because when we read Noah, it's really easy, like, wow, God is an angry God. God wants to crush me. God wants to drown me. So if we get back to the end, we're going to see some beautiful things that will change, hopefully, your perspective in that and make you feel not so picked on. Noah leaves 
a legacy of faith. Noah goes through this crazy story with his immense faith. The challenges that he faced are astronomical. He must have already been a man of integrity, a man trying to live uh, and please God because he's the, the butt Noah. He's the only one that God can find on earth that's worthy of saving. Noah leaves a legacy of faith. What do you think of when you think of the flood? Have you written it off as some myth that you don't need to worry about? Problem with that is lots of the ancient cultures all have, share flood stories. Like this is something that happened. They'll, they'll talk about it. It comes out of different, different ways, but there's, always, there's a flood narrative. And every ancient, uh, uh, sorry, ancient civilization. Civilization was the word I was trying to get out of my mouth. Do you think about how amazing the faith and trust is to step out and build this huge boat when everyone was calling him crazy, probably pointing and laughing and going, what is he doing wasting his life? Do you think about the animals, how that would have smelled? What was wrong with the unicorns? Why didn't they get to a spot on the boat? You don't think about that stuff? I think about that stuff. When we hear the Noah story, we miss the part of why Noah has to build the bar. We miss the why, and the why is really important. I gloss over it because I don't want to think about God killing people. I, I, like, I just I go, hey, let's get to the archiarchy, and everything's fine. In Genesis 6, 5 through 7, it says this. The Lord saw how great the wickedness the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe them from the face of the earth, the human race I have created, and with them the animals and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now this word, it's really important we understand this word regretted. And we, we, it's the same word that is used for sorry, but it's also the same word for compassion. So if we think about it, this, I'm trying to wrap my brain around how does God regret something he does? He's God, right? That, that, that kind of is, is difficult. But he looks at us kind of the same way you look at a rabid dog. He's looking at us as old yeller. Sorry to spoil the, the, the show for you. I never watched it, honestly. It got to that point, and movie's over. It's, everybody's happy. Me and Phoebe from Friends, we're just there in the... There in the. <laughs> and the compassionate thing to do with a rabid animal is what? Let it keep on going around, or you have to put it down. And so that is the, the, <laughs> the interesting um, word that's going on here when he regrets us. is His heart is conflicted in, in, in hurting over... This, I'm sorry that I ever made you, but what is the compassionate thing to do right now? Imagine the fall of humanity in such a nasty way that the compassionate thing to do is to wipe us off. Like we're talking like Mad Max stuff or something going on here. We're talking really nasty stuff that the compassionate thing to do is to remove humanity. And so what's going on here? What, what go, where does this take it from here? What, we see this but 
Noah moment. And so I want to ask the question, what does it take to be a but Noah kind of person? What does it take to be this person when everyone else is full of junk, when everyone else is, is full of lies and deceit and anger and gossip and, and slander? What, what does it take to be a but Noah kind of person? Because we find ourselves, no matter where we're at in life, there's opportunities or moments, whether we're in middle school, high school, or growing up at work, or even in your own home and in your own family. There's choices to be made when things start to be said, when things start to be done. I'm going to be a but Noah kind of person. No, that's, that's not it. I'm choosing different. I'm going to be full of faith in this moment. When it feels like everything else is against me, when it feels like the world is crashing around me, I want to be a but Noah kind of person. This is Noah's legacy. It's a legacy of faith. A faith that God is not done with him. It would have been real easy to wake up one day as Noah and have a really bad day, right? Because literally everyone is out to get you. <laughs> like everyone thinks you're an idiot. The whole idea, I, I, you know that paranoia, I think somebody's gossiping about them. They actually were gossiping about him, not just made up in his mind. It'd be really easy just to kind of get sidetracked in that. He has faith that it, God isn't done with him. Second thing that he has is faith that the rain is actually going to come. He has faith that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. For good or for bad, he still has the faith that God is going to do what God is going to do. He has to have faith that the boat will float. Now, I mess around with my mother-in-law's boats all the time, and I don't have faith that those boats are going to float especially the fishing boat. It's trying to kill me. But to have faith that the boat will float. You've never seen a boat. You've built the boat. If I built a boat, Dominic, we're dying. <laughs> me, me and all humanity, we're going to get out there, and it's going to be a nice-looking boat until all of it's just a water sieve. Just, who's got the sump pump? Sump pump hasn't been invented yet. Darn it. Uh, you know, I need a bilge pump. Let's go. Faith that the boat will actually Float, there's a reason there's a lot, a big portion of given scripture to talk about how to pitch the boat. <laughs> like, this is how you fill in the cracks, Noah. Don't do this. Faith that there's a future and that God is with him. Faith that there's a future and God is with him. So the winds come and the rains start coming down and the waters start to rise. The bleeding of the animals because they're scared of the thunderstorm. And your kids are screaming because the wind's coming down and they, they realize all these things that you've been saying are true and it's happening. To hold on to that and say, I know God's got a plan through this storm and we will ride it out. Now we get back to the rainbow. The waters go back away and the sun comes out. Noah participates in a peace that is fought for, and a promise that will last. Noah participates in a peace that is fought for and a promise that will last. The word peace in Hebrew is shalom. And shalom means peace, and so often peace kind of gets uh, hijacked by the hippie peace, like peace, man. Uh, we, get, we, get, we hijack peace with uh, 
just all kinds of, it's a, it's a greeting, it's a going away, it's, a, it's all these different things, but the shalom piece is this deep piece. But one of the main attributes of a shalom piece is a peace that is fought for. It's not just the absence of conflict. So often in life, we're looking for an absence of conflict peace. We will do anything that we can in our family, in our coworkers, everything, just to avoid conflict. How does that work out for you? Right? There has to be some sort of conflict so that you can have a good resolution so that something healthy can happen. That's just how this, this works. Um, sorry, sorry to break it to you. Uh, so there has to be some sort of conflict so that, so that something can be earned. And peace, shalom, is a peace that is fought for, a peace that a price has been paid for. Noah steps into a peace that has been fought for. Because when Noah and God are talking after this, there's this peace that is promised and this beauty that happens. Genesis 9, 12 through 17 says this. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant. A covenant's a, a, a binding promise. I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between you and me and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all of life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God has said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. Now, if you, uh, it doesn't say rainbow in the Bible. We, we infer a rainbow. It says bow. And when I realized that, and I did a word study on rainbow, like what, what in the world is a rainbow? It's bow. Well, what's a bow to someone who lived five, 8,000 years ago? It's a war bow. And so what God is saying unilaterally to them, it's a peace treaty he's making with Noah. He says, you know what? I'm setting my war bow aside. I no longer am at war with you. I am for you. I am with you. Now, when you're making a peace treaty against a, per a people that you've totally annihilated, you don't go, okay, I'm never going to do that again. That's not how you make terms of a defeated populace. You say, no, you're going to give me taxes. You're going to do this. You're going to do all these things I want you to do. And you're, he doesn't say all that. What he says is, I'm never going to do that again, and I'm setting my war bow aside. What happens in this moment, from this moment on in, in human history, God went to war against humanity, and now he says, I go to war for you. There's a, a pivot of God to say, you know, we're not going to do this punishment anymore like this. All the rest of the covenants after this, soon after this, is the Abrahamic covenant. And then you get the Mosaic covenant, and you get the Davidic covenant, and then you get Jesus. And if that doesn't make any sense to you, just know this. All the rest of the covenants after Noah goes back to, I'm going to draw closer to your heart. I'm drawing 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 closer to your heart. Every promise he makes, not you messed up more, I'm, I'm stepping away. You messed up more, I'm stepping away. You messed up more, I'm stepping away. That's not how God operates. That's how we operate. We put a line in the sand, you cross it, okay, here's a bigger wall. You cross that wall, okay, now here's a big a chasm. That's not how God operates. He's continually, after this moment on, he's hung his war bow against us up in the sky. He says, I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. And so this is why I wanted you to pay attention to the end, because when we get caught up in this emotional, just 
bad places where we feel like God's taking his thumb and smushing us into the ground. That's not what it's like at all. Because if God was making war against you, that didn't work out so well. Right? God's war, we'd be decimated. We can't, we can't handle God's war against stuff. God's not picking on us. He is for us. Sometimes it feels that way. Can we be honest? Sometimes it feels like, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing that to me? Why'd you do that to me? Those are lies. God is for us. God continually draws closer to us and removes any barrier to be away from us. He has promised not to destroy you, but through Jesus to restore you. And so we've gone through this moment of, of humanity is at its absolute worst. This cleansing and this remaking and this promise of God to say, no, I'm not a war with you. I'm with you. I'm for you. And continually throughout human history from that point on, I'm drawing nearer to your heart. I'm drawing near to your heart. I'm removing barriers that you keep on putting up. I'm removing barriers that you keep on putting up. I'm removing more barriers that you keep on putting up because I want to have relationship with you. Fulfilled in the fact that of Jesus Christ coming to earth and sacrificing himself on the cross for us as a final act of I'm removing all barriers for all time to be with you. And we go from this place of destruction to this place of total relationship, of commitment, of I am with you, that I would, do, I would stop at nothing to be with you. This is a huge swing in the way in which God interacts with us. It's beauty. His heartbeat stays the same. It's still a compassionate heartbeat. I want to be with you. I want to restore you. I want to make you new. Instead of fighting you, God fights for you. There's nothing he will not do to have relationship with you. No matter what you're dealing with right now, no matter the, the depths of depression or the depths of sorrow, the depths of frustration, in Jesus he is saying, I have fought for you and I will always fight for you. I am with you. For those of us who came today with heavy hearts, don't buy into the lie that God is, is trying to smite you and hurt you. He's promised just the opposite. There's consequences for sin. There's ramifications for, for nastiness in our life. But through the redemption of Jesus Christ, that stuff is wiped away. And our accounts are made clean. This morning, I want to discover maybe rediscover what a rainbow can mean for in our lives. That when we look up in the, in the sky, that when we look in the, in the clouds, we see a promise of God that he is with us, that he is for us. I already like rainbows. And a double rainbow, I'm like, whoa, double rainbow. But it's not just a cool happening that happens in the atmosphere. It's a reminder that God would go to war for me and for you. Please pray with me this morning. Ben, come on up. God, this morning we may, we may feel far from you, 
feel like we're distant from you. In this moment, would you draw near to us? God, that we would remember that you fight for us, not against us. God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you would stop at nothing to be with us, to love us, to save us. Instead of planning a destruction for us, you planned how to save us. God, in this moment, we want to step into relationship with you. We want to walk in life with you, not away from you. Lord, will you take away all that we are, all the past that we've had, all the junk that we've been holding on to. Will you start us over? Will you reclaim us? In this moment, God, we we give you our hearts, we give you our lives, we give you our every day. Lord, will you reassure us in our souls that you are for us and not against us, that you love us, that you will care for us, that you are fighting for us, that you have a hope and a future plan for us. That we would work through all the frustrations and the hurt and the sorrow that we've built up inside. Maybe they've been building calluses between us and you. God, if we're honest in this moment, there's been a lot of frustration. There's been a lot of anger that we've We've pointed in your direction. And right now, Lord, we, we want to lay that down. We want you to move in us. Would you clean us? Would you start us anew? I don't want to hold on to this pain anymore. I don't want to hold on to this frustration. I don't want to hold on to this hurt anymore. I want to be free. I want to be lighter. I want to be filled with your love and your grace. Lord, I ask you to move in our hearts and move in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe, and don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.